This is the Build Wealth Canada show, episode number 64. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hello and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. I hope you're doing well and staying healthy and safe. Obviously, a lot is going on now with the coronavirus and the major market declines. And I've been getting lots of questions such as, how am I adapting our portfolio and investments strategies to these declines? And should we be buying into the market at these low prices? Or should we be selling? Or should we be waiting out for the market bottom and then buying? And what are the other experts that are that I listen to and that I trust? What are they saying? So I thought I'd answer these questions for you. Now, of course, the health and safety of your family is more important than the temporary performance of an investment portfolio. So that should be the priority. But since I'm not a doctor or medical expert, it doesn't make sense for me to try to give you medical advice. So instead, let's focus on what I do actually have expertise and experience in and shine some light on the investment and financial planning side of things. Before we jump into talking about investments, we've had a huge drop in interest rates as well. So it's been interesting to see what all the different banks are doing with their high interest savings accounts. They've all been cutting their rates. So it's interesting to see after this shakeup, which are the leaders giving you the highest interest rate on your savings account. I personally use EQ Bank, as you may already know, as my primary bank, and their rate is still anywhere from twice as high to as much as 10 times higher when compared to some of the other banks here in Canada. At the time of this recording, EQ gives you 2% on your savings account. And when I researched the high interest savings accounts at the four big banks here in Canada, a TD is at 0.2%. So EQ is actually 10 times higher than they are right now. RBC is at 0.3, so not much higher. It's over six times higher than they are. And Scotia Bank is at 0.65 and BMO is at quotes up to 1%, close quote, if you follow all their rules and regulations and all that. So even in the best case scenario with BMO, if, if you are actually able to eventually get that 1% by doing all their terms and conditions and all that, you're still earning double the interest rate with EQ. So I'm happy to keep endorsing EQ as I've used them for years. They continue to have easily one of the highest interest rates in Canada, plus they're free and they have unlimited interact e-transfers, which I find super convenient for sending anybody money at no charge. They are a big supporter of this show. So if you are going to sign up for free with them, please use the link buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. That's buildwealthcanada.ca dot ca slash the letter e and the letter q it's a huge help and it helps keep the show and almost everything else on the build with canada site completely free for you all the guides everything and when you sign up with them through that link and it has to be through that link specifically just send me any confirmation that you get from them after opening up their free account and send me that email to bonus at build wealth canada and I'll send you my full free guide on the top ETFs that I personally invest in along with an in-depth explanation why. So once again, that link is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ, just the letter E and the letter Q to sign up and then send me any confirmation email to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca. And a big thanks to everybody that has already signed up. 
Now, also with this large interest rate drop and real estate season kicking off, there's been a lot of questions about how to take advantage of these lower interest rates, about mortgage renewals and getting new mortgages. So a free resource that I have on the show that is our uh, resident mortgage broker and best-selling author, Sean Cooper. He's fully licensed and knows all the latest mortgage rules and rates. Uh, That's not my specialty. He keeps up with all of that because it's part of his job. Um, So I've been referring everyone over to him and he gives Build With Canada listeners a free one one private phone consultation so that you can get all your questions answered for free and without any sort of obligation. So if you are interested in that, you can go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. That's just S-E-A-N. So buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. And just put your email in there and he'll reach out to you to set a time that you can have a free private one-on-one call. And as a bonus, and to help you out further, when you sign up on that page, you'll also get a PDF guide on how to choose the perfect mortgage for you. So all the different things you should consider when deciding on a mortgage. So that's definitely going to be, I think, helpful to you as well uh, if you're in the market for that. So uh, that page again for the free private Q&A with Sean is buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. All right. And lastly, before we start talking about investments, since mortgages and lines of credit are much cheaper now due to the interest rate drops, lots of people are going to be jumping in to take advantage of these lower mortgage and lending rates in the coming months. But to ensure that you actually get the lowest possible rate, your credit has to actually be good. So the tool that I personally use to monitor my credit score for free and to make sure there are no issues, like if someone, let's say, gained unauthorized access to my account and is now destroying my credit score, that's over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash score. That's basically where you can get the free tool and get your own credit score. You can go there, you get the full credit score, you get the full credit report for free, and you can actually log in there anytime to check how your credit score is doing. Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? You know, it's a big indicator of how cheap your loans or mortgage is going to be. So uh, definitely worth doing. So a big thanks to Borrowell for sponsoring the episode and for making that tool available for free to everyone. Thank you once again for going through that link as it helps keep everything free on the show. And here is a quick message from Borwell, this episode's sponsor. So do you know your credit score? We all know that checking your credit score can be nerve-wracking as it's an important indicator of your overall credit health. And this is precisely why checking your credit score is so important. So your credit score might be a deciding factor in whether you'll be approved for a personal loan, a car, or a mortgage. And having a good credit score will make it easier to do all those things. And knowing your credit score is the first step to understanding and improving it. So did you know that you can get your Equifax credit score for free from Borowell? In under three minutes, you'll be able to access your credit score and full credit report, and it's absolutely free. Now, Borowell is a 100% Canadian-owned company with a single goal in mind, which is to help Canadians make great decisions about credit. So you can check out your score and get a full credit report, like I said, for free over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash score. So just S-C-O-R-E. All right, let's start talking about investments. So to kick things off, let's start with question one, which is what am I doing with my own personal portfolio? And the answer is I'm not doing anything other than rebalancing if needed. And so let's unpack that a little bit. My reasoning for it is that the stock market has consistently recovered 
and stabilized through major shocks like this, like the one that we're experiencing now. For example, there's been World War II, there's been SARS, there's been September 11th, there's been the dot-com crash, there's been the financial crisis of 2008, of course, and many, many more. So when I see events like the coronavirus wrecking havoc on the markets, I ask myself if the markets have recovered through some truly major events like the ones I just mentioned, then why wouldn't it recover from this one too? And so is this event truly different than all these other ones? Is the entire world economy going to collapse, never to recover again, even though historically it has always recovered from events such as this. And so I I think not. I think for sure it is going to recover. And just to put things in perspective and give you some context, from the peak, my portfolio is down into in the six figures. So, you know, quite a bit of money. So this isn't just some theory. I am actually living it and fully experiencing these drastic losses and, you know, seeing my net worth drop by six figures. It's it's not pleasant, obviously. And especially since the stock portion of our portfolio was in the 90 plus percent uh, before the crash happened, you know, so that really means that we really are experiencing these huge declines. It's not like my portfolio was mostly in bonds and then, you know, things are not as bad as, as people that are more equity investors. I'm definitely feeling the full, the full force of these major, major declines, 100%. So this is actually the first time that our portfolio has dropped this much, and I'm actually a little surprised how little it's been bothering me. And you know, I'm not going to say it doesn't cross my mind at all, but I thought maybe I would be a lot more stressed and, and, and worried or mad or whatever, but surprisingly not. And so I was analyzing this a bit and reflecting on it as to why am I not bothered by this as much as I normally, as I thought I would. And so here's really what's helping me get through it and what I think will help you get through it too and be a bit more at ease about the whole situation. And so I'll take it from two perspectives. One is from somebody that is saving for retirement and therefore actually won't touch their investments for 10 plus years. And the second perspective that I'll take is from someone that is actually living off their investments like us. So in other words, someone that is either early retired or semi-retired or in a traditional full retirement. So big distinction here is, are you in the accumulation phase or are you in that preservation decumulation phase? So I'll tackle it from both of those angles since I'm now in that second one where we're now in that preservation decumulation stage. And of course, we before getting there, we were in the accumulation stage. So I feel I have enough experience to talk about each of those since I've actually lived it. So if you are in the wealth accumulation phase where you are still working and saving a portion of every paycheck towards your investment portfolio slash retirement, then I would treat this as a great buying opportunity because you are able to get those ETFs that you've hopefully been buying all this time at a massive discount. So if I was still in the accumulation phase, this is exactly what I'd be doing. I'd first make sure that my emergency fund is topped up and then I would invest as much as I can into the index ETFs while still making sure that I'm within my risk tolerance and staying true to the asset allocation that I selected. So for example, if I did all those risk questionnaires, did those asset allocation questionnaires, and they're all saying, hey, you're really risk averse, you're probably not gonna handle this well, and it's telling me to be, let's say, I don't know, 40% bonds, right? Well, you should not all of a sudden go, 100% equities because the markets are down, right? Uh, that's not that's not a prudent thing for you to do. So uh, definitely, you know, that is a caveat that's worth mentioning. 
Now, some might argue, why would you insure to have your emergency fund topped up? Isn't that leaving money on the table as you could take a portion of that to invest even more at these low, low prices that the stocks are at? Well, the reason I would still make sure to keep the emergency fund topped up is that if it turns out that this becomes a prolonged recession where businesses are struggling and have to start laying people off, then you don't want to be in a situation where, yes, you bought in during depressed prices, great, but now you don't have enough cash on hand to ride out the storm in the event that you actually get laid off because of a prolonged recession. So if you get into that situation, you have to either resort to debt just to pay your day-to-day bills like heating and groceries, or you have to sell off some of your investments to pay for those day-to-day expenses. And that's really not ideal. Or you you can try to get a second job or something like that. But also, that's probably not ideal if you're already working full-time. So sure, interest rates have dropped very heavily. So debt is cheaper than ever before. But do you want to be reliant on debt and assume that you'll continue to have access to it if things get really rough, okay? So some people might be okay with this, but I imagine most Canadians don't feel comfortable taking out debt to pay for groceries, for example, because they've invested all their cash at these depressed prices to take advantage of it, and then subsequently they lose their jobs, and now they're in a trouble, they're, they're in trouble, right? Because when you when you look at your finances, there's really two uh, components, right? There's sort of your net worth, all your different assets, but there's also your monthly cash flow, right? So you could be doing great on the investment side, and you, know, you bought at these depressed prices, but if you don't have the cash flow month to month to pay pay for basic things, that's also a gigantic problem. And that can force you to sell your equities or ETFs at non-opportune times, all right? So that's something that you really have to, con- you really need to make sure both of those buckets are covered. So I make sure, always make sure my investments are are good and they're covered, but I also want to make sure that I'm not scrounging at the end of every month because my credit card statement came in and I don't know where that money is going to come from because everything else is invested, all right? So now another good security blanket worth mentioning, and this is what we did when we were in our accumulation phase, is we structured our lifestyle where we can just live off one income. And this way, even if one person gets laid off, you still have the monthly cash flow from one job coming in to pay for your expenses. So you never end up in a desperate situation where you have to accept whatever new job you can just to put some food on the table. I mean, to me, I think that would be horrible, right? We get laid off from a job that you actually enjoy maybe, and then you try to find another job and you can't, and you have to settle for one that you really don't want to do, that could potentially be at a much lower salary, right? Just because you're in a desperate spot. want to put yourself through that if you don't have to. So to summarize, if I was still in the accumulation phase, in other words, if my wife and I were still working full time, then I would make sure we'd be okay if one of us lost our jobs. We'd make sure that our emergency fund is in decent shape so that I'm not reliant on debt to pay for essential expenses if things get really bad. And then I would take as much as I can and invest that in low cost indexed ETFs with as big of a portion of every paycheck as I possibly can to take advantage of these depressed prices. Now, when you do this, buying investments from every paycheck strategy, you are using what's called dollar cost averaging to buy into the market during different times, which is a great best practice in the investing world. So it's definitely something I would recommend. So instead of 
hoarding your cash because you're trying to find the bottom of the stock market and then you want to go all in at that time. Nobody knows when the bottom is going to be. Nobody. And so the next best thing you can do, since you're not an oracle of any sort, is to just put in a portion of every paycheck in and that way you're able to write things up no matter how far down they get. So in other words, nobody knows when the market bottom is going to happen and the recovery will start. So because of that, we don't focus on trying to time the market by speculating when the bottom will be. Instead, we diligently invest a portion of every paycheck so that we can ride the wave back up when it finally does happen. So there really isn't any need for speculation. And if you are tempted to speculate, just keep in mind that it's no one, well, first of all, no one can do it. And if you really think you may be able to do it, well, one, you have to be able to know first when that drop is going to happen, which like, it's, the major drop has already happened. So you, you would have had to sell right before it happened, ideally. And then you have to know when the bottom is, which we don't know when, no one knows where the bottom is. And then you have to basically buy in then, and then you will ride the wave back up. No, nobody knows that, right? So there really isn't a need for speculation because no one can do so correctly. So just instead, let this whole process be very mechanical, make it a sort of a non-emotional robotic-like process of just continuously investing a portion of every paycheck, even if you think the markets will keep going down because nobody can consistently predict things like this. So instead, put your time and energy, don't put your time and energy towards trying to predict the market and instead focus on other things like making sure you and your family's health are well taken care of and that you're, you know, stocked up if things get bad and things of that nature. All right. So now let's head into the other camp, uh, the people like my wife and I that are actually living off their investments. So sort of that preservation, decumulation phase. So why am I not getting anxiety when my portfolio is down well into the six figures? Well, I'd say that the main thing keeping me surprisingly relaxed over the past while is that I know that the fixed income portion of our portfolio can sustain our lifestyle for seven years before I need to start selling off some equities to fund our day-to-day living expenses. And so I remember when the markets were pretty setting new records, new highs, I remember reevaluating that and saying, okay, hey, if you're going to... If you're going to, uh, instead of, let's say, a five-year cushion, if you want to do a seven-one, or instead of a four-year, you want to do a seven-one, I remember analyzing, well, if I do want to make my cushion a bit bigger so that at worst comes to worst, I don't have to go back to work, then now is the time to do it while we're hitting these record highs. And so what, before the crash happened, I was actually able, I did do some rebalancing, and I did put a larger portion of my investments into fixed income. And so, you know, because of that, we are now, I'm now very calm when this is all happening because I know that with our current lifestyle, if we just keep doing what we're doing, we're good for seven years, even if I don't generate any income, you know, from the podcast or anything like that, or from the, or for the financial summit, you know, we'd still be okay. And historically, during past recessions, stock markets have recovered in less than seven years. And actually, seven years would be considered conservative because typically drops like the ones that we've been experiencing now actually tend to recover much quicker than that. But hey, you know, I have two kids and a wife to support. And from a personal psychological perspective, when I hear the panic happening in the markets, I found my mind always gets put at ease when I remind myself that I don't have to touch our equities for seven years and that the markets have easily recovered consistently over this time in the past. So why worry? 
Now, the other element that helps put me at ease and what I think can help put you at ease too if you're retired or are planning an early retirement is to find passion projects that you would do for fun and then find a way to monetize them. So you're probably going to be doing these hobbies for free anyway, especially if you're retired and you have all that time. So why not work that creative muscle of yours and figure out a way that you can generate at least a little bit of income from those projects? You're not trying to you know rake it in or anything like that because uh, the priority isn't so much money anymore. It's more something you actually enjoy doing, but why not monetize that a bit? So in my case, the podcast makes some money, you know, not a gigantic amount or anything like that, but I mean, it makes something. Uh, And I took over the Canadian Financial Summit this year. So I figure I'm going to be talking to smart financial experts for fun anyway, throughout my life. So why not share that knowledge and those best practices learned from them with the rest of Canada and then find some ways to generate some additional income from that. So if you've been a long-term listener of the show, one of the like main ways I do that is there's certain tools that I that I use and recommend. Uh, and then I end up partnering with those companies because, hey, I'm going to be promoting them anyway because that's what I personally use. So why not you know get sponsored by them, for example, right? So that's one way that I've actually done that, done this in practice, okay? And that's just my way yeah, of doing it because I'm a giant money nerd that loves talking to and, and learning from smart people and and loves you know figuring out what the best tools are in Canada that we can use and and learning about investments uh, and I just like learning from uh, people that are masters in their field but hey you know maybe you're not a giant money nerd like me maybe you're an artist that loves drawing and painting and you know you could sell some of your creations after your house is filled to the brim with them for example to generate some extra income you're going to be let's say painting or drawing anyway because you love it so why not make some money off it right maybe you like woodworking and you can sell some of your creations you know after all there's only so much room in your house that you can store all your creations, right? Uh, a friend of mine is actually starting a podcast and a YouTube channel on his different creations. He likes doing like carpentry, electronics, just, you know, stuff like that. He's a, he's a programmer, but he likes doing these things as a hobby. So he started a YouTube channel, podcast on this kind of thing. And that's another way basically to do a hobby that you love and then you share it with the world and then you use technology to monetize that to give you even more of a, cur- to give you even more of a cushion during these challenging times. All right, another example might be there's something you love, let's say, talking about or, or, or teaching others. So you could do consulting, for instance, as well for that extra income. So in our case, we have that seven-year fixed income question that we can use until the markets recover uh, before we have to start selling off some equities. And, and this assumes, once again, that I'm generating zero income from passion projects like the podcast or the financial summit. And if for the first time in recent market history, the markets actually haven't recovered, and if I still don't want to sell equities until they have fully recovered, then the passion project income can be used to wait out the storm even longer. So despite being so heavily invested in equities, I'm actually pretty conservative in that I like having multiple types of cushions, aka levers that I can pull in case something unforeseen happens and things are much worse than anticipated. Now, when looking through that lens, what I actually still debate in my head is whether seven years of a cushion is too much. So since I'm realistically not going to become an unproductive member of society by just watching TV and just living a life of leisure, and if you've listened to the last episode, then you know I tried doing that full retirement, uh, and I only lasted five to six months before getting antsy, unfulfilled, and having suboptimal happiness. So I learned that I have to occupy my life with something productive and beneficial to society rather than just purely, you know, self, than just a purely selfish life of leisure. So because of that, since I plan on continuing passion projects like the podcast, like the Canadian Financial Summit for the long term, 
I technically need less of a fixed income cushion than the seven years since those passion projects do actually generate some income. So that's the debate that's kind of been going in my head, right? Is do I decrease that and put some more money into equities instead so that I can take advantage of these depressed prices? So, you know, lowering our fixed income portion and putting it into the markets is something that I may do in the near future. Uh, for now, though, I'm actually, you know, loving having that large of a cushion. I'm, I'm loving the peace of mind that, you know, when I hear everybody else freaking out. So yes, I'm leaving some money on the table by having that large of a fixed income cushion. But then I find you get into that internal debate of if you've already achieved your retirement savings number and have hit your financial goals, why take on more risks than you need when you don't need to invest anymore? Right. So, you know, as a business grad, I've been trained to always think about the opportunity cost. So what am I missing out on? And this makes leaving money on the table particularly challenging to endure. But if leaving some money on the table results in one, peace of mind, two, zero stress, three, extra financial security for the family, you know, then maybe that is a worthwhile trade-off. Lastly, another component that I found is really contributing to me not being stressed during these market drops is being an index investor. If you're new to the podcast, this means that instead of picking individual stocks, I simply buy ETFs, which contain thousands of companies across the world that essentially make up most of the stock markets. So instead of trying to pick the winners and avoid the losers, I just buy all of them through low-cost ETFs because historically, the companies as a group have consistently generated a high rate of return long-term. And if you want to learn more about how I personally do it, you can go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash invest. That's basically where I outline everything, how I invest and, and the mechanics of it and all of that. So the reason that being an index investor has resulted in a lot less stress than if I bought individual companies is that, for example, the thousands of companies that I own across the world are not all of a sudden going to go bankrupt because of the coronavirus. For instance, do you really think companies like Amazon, Apple, Google, and Facebook are all going to go bankrupt because of the coronavirus? As an index investor, I automatically own all those companies and thousands more, which helps spread out the risk in the event that some companies do end up failing because of not being able to weather the storm that the coronavirus has brought on. If on the other hand, let's say I invested in a particular company or a small group of companies that I thought were overlooked in the marketplace and have a ton of potential to beat the returns of the index. Let's say I analyze their financial statements, analyze them in my spreadsheets, random different models. The experts that I respect are bullish on them as well. And so I decide, okay, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy those companies. Then despite them being fantastic companies that do well when things are normal, all of a sudden the coronavirus hits, something that they weren't able to predict. And now it turns out that this event that they had no control over at all is now destroying their company and they aren't able to recover from it. What if that happens? Well, their stock market price may never go back to where it once was. They may even go bankrupt. So in this example, here's a company or a group of companies that did almost everything right, but because of some external factor beyond their control, and in this case, it's the coronavirus, but in the future, it will be something else. Despite them doing everything right, there's a factor beyond their control that gets them decimated. And if I was an investor in that company or in that group of companies, I can't say something like, well, historically, individual companies always recover long-term, so I'll be fine. On the other hand, as an index investor, I can actually say that historically, major indexes like the S&P 500, for example, you know, which is something that I invest in, they have recovered as a whole. 
Yes, some companies within that index may not make it, but in totality, if you own the companies in that index through an ETF, then you can say that in the past, it did actually recover as a whole. Of course, lots of money can be made by buying individual stocks instead of being an index investor. And if you are truly a master of that craft, for example, Warren Buffett, but since most of us aren't master stock pickers that have devoted their lives to the craft, like he has, for instance, I love being able to just buy the ETF, which covers the indexes, and not have to worry about all the complexities and extra risks involved when buying individual companies. All right, moving along. Yes, I may be wrong, and this may be some doomsday scenario where the stock market is decimated, never to recover again. However, I fail to see how this time is any different than some of the major shocks that we've had in the past. And when I mentioned those shocks earlier, I mean, these were really, really significant things as well. What's a lot more likely is that markets will recover like they have in the past, and those that use this opportunity to buy index ETFs at a discount will be much wealthier in the years to come. Meanwhile, those that let the fear get to them and just kept cash will be kicking themselves for missing out on another recovery. Personally, I already got burned by this once and won't let it happen again. When I graduated university in 2007, it was right before the 2008 financial crisis. And at the time, I didn't know what I know now and how cyclical the markets can be. Surprisingly, despite going to one of the best business schools in the country, we weren't taught this there for whatever reason. So as a recent grad, when the markets collapsed, I let fear and the lack of knowledge win by just focusing on paying down our mortgage quicker instead of investing during the much lower stock prices. While it was great to eventually become mortgage-free in our late 20s, I left a lot of money on the table by not riding the wave back up when the stock market recovered. Our net worth would have been much, much higher if we did this. And to this day, despite it being seen as a success story by the media when we paid off our mortgage that quickly, I actually see it as being our largest financial failure because we completely missed the drastic recovery after the financial crisis. I hope this was helpful to you. And just so you know, I have been reading from others that I respect in this field about the situation and can definitely say that I'm not alone in my views. So yes, we may all be wrong and I should be building a bunker in my backyard instead of recording this podcast, but I'm basically all in that there is going to be a recovery just like every other time. Now, before I finish things off here, if you want to know what tools I'm personally using to manage all our finances, especially in times like this, I have a free in-depth guide available on the site over at buildwealthcanada.ca. You can just sign up anywhere on the site and I'll email you the full PDF guide. These are the tools and resources that I either used to help us become financially independent in our early 30s and or tools that we use now to manage our money and investments so that we don't mess things up and have to go back and get jobs again. So once again, that's over at buildwealthcanada.ca. You can sign up there to get it all for free. And with that said, I wish you and your family all the best. Be smart, focus on helping others and yourself stay healthy out there. We're in the storm together, but it too will pass. All right, so thanks for tuning in and see you in the next one. All right, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to reach out to our resident mortgage broker and best-selling author to get any of your mortgage questions answered over for free at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean, just S-E-A-N. Don't forget to check out your credit score and get your full credit report for free by going to buildwealthcanada.ca 
www.score.ca slash score. So that's just S-C-O-R-E. It's what I use and is a great way to see your credit score whenever you want to ensure you get the best rates on mortgages and loans and to help ensure that nobody has gained unauthorized access to your accounts through identity theft. So that link again and for the free tool is buildwealthcanada.ca slash score. And don't forget to get your free guide on the top ETFs in Canada, where I go into detail on what I invest in and why. And to get that, just sign up for a free savings account with the bank that I use, EQ Bank, where they have one of the highest interest rates that I've been able to find in Canada, sometimes even more than double what other banks are offering. Plus, you get free unlimited Interact e-transfers, which is super convenient for sending money and unlimited transactions with no fees. So to get the guide, just sign up for EQ Savings Plus account using the link buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash the letter E and the letter Q. Then send me any confirmation email that you get from them to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca and I'll email you the full guide. All right, so that's all. Have a good one. Take care and see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca.